listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Autumn means family, and family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. And that's, of course, from Lilo and Stitch, uh, the TV show. Hello, and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Gia, and today's show is all about the gift of family. And I'm Zara Hossaman. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestaryouare.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. It's always the season for giving, so give big. In this first segment, we have reporter Jack Palacos presenting the second ever installment of his segment, Trends Without Ends. Hi, Jack. Hello, um, I'm Jack Palacos, and I'm back reporting on my segment, Trends Without Ends. And today I'm going to be talking about the recent trends with families and how they can actually help us become closer to our loved ones. So I think it's pretty obvious by now that technology has completely swept the nation. Because technology is so simple, efficient, and overall fun to use, People are just spending more and more time on electronics. A lot more time. Whether it's video games, TV, computers, iPads, iPhones, or really any form of technology, it seems that people are pretty much almost always engaged in a technologic activity. And while becoming closer and closer with computers makes our life uh, extremely easier and allows us to turn tedious tasks into simple, quick ones, at the same time, it's actually pulling us farther and farther away from our families. Studies show that over 75% of families agree that they would much rather spend time watching television than engaging in a real activity, such as a board game. Furthermore, over 80% of these families would rather spend time on electronics alone, as they feel that they can concentrate better on the activities that they're doing. Keep in mind that these activities are excluding work-related tasks, such as research or typing an essay. Because of technology, we're becoming farther apart from the people that we live closest to, which is pretty ironic. Recent trends, however, are closing this gap. It's actually becoming increasingly popular for families to have family nights. Some families will go bowling, some go to family dinners, and some stay at home playing board games together on these nights. Um, Perhaps the most important part of this trend, however, is the fact that the families who participate in these activities ban technology during the family night. This allows for minimal distractions and enables the families to bond as a whole and become closer as they should be. Oh, oh my gosh, Jack. You know, what's funny is um, I can really relate to the segment that you've 
just given to us. Uh, my mom is always on her phone and like she's always immersed in social media and, you know, talking with people overseas uh, on this platform called WeChat. And recently, though, uh, yeah, we've been hanging out at the library together and I always have to tell her like, no cell phones, put your phone away, mom. We're here and we're spending time together as a family. And so, Jack, um, you mentioned board games and bowling nights. Uh, what do you think uh, personally is the best non-technological way to bond? Uh, well, honestly, I think that it all comes down to the family's personal preference because some families, uh, more towards the athletic side of people, they might want to play a game of soccer together or maybe throw a ball around, but others might want to spend an evening at a restaurant and some might even, some might just prefer neither of them. So it's, it's pretty important that the entire family agrees on the activity because uh, if everyone's in a more positive mood, then that allows for better bonding experiences. So it mainly just depends on the type of people and the type of family that it is. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, how you're saying, you know, like it has to kind of mesh with the whole family. Otherwise, the activity doesn't really work. Um, and, you know, you were also mentioning that we're, you know, like living in an increasingly technological world. And sometimes it is kind of hard to avoid technology and your you know everyday life or not avoid technology or just use technology in general in your everyday life to have fun to bond with your family um so if you know a family did agree that they wanted to bond with the help of technology does technology have any benefits on family bonding are there any healthy ways in which you can use it to get closer to your family uh 100 uh while it can widen the gap between some families technology is actually extremely important to others um one popular trend for bonding are real-time chat apps, um, such as like Skype, Skype and FaceTime, uh, where they allow two people or even groups of people to visually, visually to connect and see and hear each other in real time. Uh, and this is really important because for fa- for people who have relatives and family that don't necessarily like live in the same house or even in the same state or even like in the same country, uh, this is like revolutionary because now we can talk to those people at any time when we want to uh and actually see them than have than having to like go all the way and visit them yeah exactly uh i do definitely think that i agree with you that it's a great thing for technology to be able to connect us all um when we have families overseas family members overseas uh that's kind of the only way i get to talk to my grandparents and my aunts and uncles uh and cousins they're all overseas they're all in china and so i do use skype and facetime and that's a really important point that you've just brought up uh is that technology although it does detract from maybe immediate family interactions uh on like a local scale it does also help us connect And so, Jack, do you think family bonding, maybe more like immediately or like locally, would be better if there was no technology altogether? Um, Well, I think in terms of in terms of your family that you have, like living in your same house, um, I, I honestly either way, I don't think that it would be better because using technology is a choice that's made by the family. So. Even if you're constantly on technology and you're not bonding with your family that much, um, you can. It's very like it's it's pretty simple to just turn off your phone or turn off your computer and just talk to your family. So I don't. Uh, but on the other hand, you need technology to talk to pe- talk to like family members that are that live like across the world. 
uh, and otherwise you literally would pretty much never see them, and you, like you never f- hear from them, get to talk to them that often. So I think technology is pretty important for a family, but you bond better without it when you're actually talking to them. So you should just put it away, and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> no need to abolish all electronics just for the sake of bonding. You know, there is an off button. I think is your point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jack, I definitely relate to, you know, what you were saying about how it's really just a lot easier to bond when you're not all on your phones or something like that. Because definitely I've had that experience where, you know, your whole family is just kind of silent um, and just like on their phones and stuff like that. And it's really hard to just communicate. So I think it like technology um, and family bonding really does have um, a negative effect on communication sometimes just because you know, you don't ask each other about your days. You're asking your friends about their days, like on your phone and stuff. So like, I don't know. What do you think about um, the way that technology helps us communicate with our family in general? Uh, I think that technology is, it's pretty helpful in a way uh, because without technology, uh, it would be like, like, I, like I've said numerous times before, uh, we literally wouldn't be able to pretty much ever like see or speak to the to our relatives and family members that live across the whole country or across the entire world. Um, because it's pretty, it's pretty timely and costly to visit people. Uh, and you can do it and it's, it's not the same experience, but it's really important to visit family internationally. But, uh, on the other hand, it does kind of like interrupt the communication that we have with our families when we're talking to them in person. But, there is an off button, so it's just if you can restrict yourself from using it, just turn your phone off, then technology isn't too big of a problem. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we do have to acknowledge that there are both good uh, good sides and bad sides to technology and living in the new technical, what is it? The technological revolution age or like the new technological revolution, scientists, I think, have uh, dubbed it. And so, um, Jack, you've told us a lot about, you know, uh, turning off that off button and having these controls put in place or maybe having a certain day where you just connect with your family without technology. Uh, Are there any things that you personally do with your family that might be effective in terms of like putting technology away and focusing on bonding? Um, Well, in uh, in a sense... um uh, I found that with my family, um, it, it we tend to be um, on our phones most when towards the end of the night, um, when everyone's like after a hard day, uh, everyone's just kind of relaxing, might be on our phones or watching TV. Um, so I, that's when I found that my family's usually on electronics the most. But um, I think that um, one, one of like the biggest solutions for that. Uh, is that whenever, uh, during family dinners, we have a rule where we uh, don't use phones, so that gives us, like, a good time to kind of bond and talk and catch up about what's happened throughout our days. Um, yeah. So I yeah, think, that's- yeah, mm-hmm. it's over dinner's a pretty good time. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good time to, yeah, debrief and kind of talk with everybody, and it's kind of a communal thing as well, I guess. You're sitting with your entire family. And I think, I think there are health benefits, too. Um, not only bonding, but I think 
something about, you know, going on your screens during meal times makes you kind of overeat because you're not paying attention to your food. And so it might be beneficial to the family health as well, which is pretty cool. So, um, you know, that's always an added benefit, always a plus. Uh, but that's a pretty good rule, man. I need to, I need to try and implement that with my family. I've got, you know, my sister is 10 years old and she's, she's being, you know, being exposed to the whole technology. She's got her Minecraft thing going and all of these social media apps. And my mom is also on social media and they're always on during dinner. And it is hard for us to find a time to talk. So I guess we really got to sit down and put our phones away. Um, But Jack, um, thank you so much for this great conversation. That was awesome. You provided us with a lot of, you know, new things to keep in mind uh, when we spend time with our families next. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have. Uh, Support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity. That brings you this program. For more information on how to do this, go to bethestaryouare.org and follow our blog. I'm Brigitte Gia. I'm Zara Hoffman. More information is at our website, www.bethestarur.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our discussion about the gift of gifts. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting, inspiring program. I'm Zara Hoffman, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. For this segment, we are discussing the gift of family. And I'm Brigitte Gia. Today, we've got veteran reporter and Be The Star You Are event coordinator, Chelsea Pelchat, coming in with another installment of her segment, Past Present. Take it away, Chelsea. Hey, guys, it's Chelsea, and I'm back with yet another addition to my segment, Past Present. For this week, I thought it'd be fun to have a little discussion about one of history's most notorious family, the Tudor family. Now, I remember back when I was eight, and for almost the entire summer, my mom would drop me off in the library for a few hours while she ran a few shopping errands. I remember picking up a book about Queen Elizabeth I, which actually turned out to be written as in the form of a diary during the days before she assumed the role of queen. At that time, she was pretty young, maybe around 15 or 16, around around my age. And there was a lot of talk about the whole rivalry with her sister, Mary, 
who would later be known as Bloody Mary, as well as the amount of caution she had to take with each step and each word that came out of her mouth, as plots of treason were very common within the royal court. It would talk about how she could essentially trust nobody and how there was always a power struggle amongst her siblings as the king's health was rapidly deteriorating. Now this was King Henry VIII, who you may know as the notorious English king with six wives. So after reading her diary, I became so intrigued by this twisted and fascinating family, and I actually began to do more and more research about them over the years. Um, all right, so before we talk about the members of the Tudor family, let's begin with a quick recap on how the Tudors came into power. So in the 15th century, there were two feuding households. There was the House of Lancaster, and it was associated with the Red Rose, and the House of York, associated with the White Rose. Hence, it was called the War of the Roses. Now, the power struggle ended with a Lancastrian victory as Henry Tudor defeated the last Yorkist king, Richard III, and as a side note, I have actually read Shakespeare. I've read Shakespeare's work, Richard III, who basically depicted him as like a scheming hunchback who would never refrain from using treacherous methods to reach his goal of becoming king. And he would basically kill anyone, even his closest advisors and friends, if it meant that being that he would be one cl- one step closer to obtaining the crown, which was his ultimate goal. He was basically a man of tunnel vision to power. He had basically no moral compass. And I guess you could say that his ultimate defeat is probably just karma, you know, coming back to haunt him. Anyways, with the Lancastrian victory, the Tudor dynasty began. So first we have Henry VII, who established the family into power. He was a great monarch who actually left his country with more wealth than it had in the beginning of his reign. But the family drama really starts when King Henry VIII takes the throne. And as I previously mentioned, he was known as the man with six wives, each of which, except for the last one, were either beheaded or divorced. And his first wife, who was actually his brother's widow, Catherine of Aragon, a Spanish Catholic princess, gave birth to his firstborn, Mary Tudor. His first son, whom he had with his third wife, Jane Seymour was Edward VI, and he was a sickly boy who would have gone on to be a marvelous king had he not died so young. And just as another side note, um, Henry VIII was famous for his, he was, his passion of, you know, just carrying on the family name, he was dead set on having a male heir to the throne, and That was probably the reason, you know, why he divorced or beheaded his previous two wives as they could not produce what he wanted. And yeah, so now after Edward died, um, Mary took over and she was very Catholic. And at the time when Henry was king, he established the first Protestant Church of England, not for any particular religious reason, but rather so he could divorce his wife and marry his mistress. And that was Anne Boleyn seeing as the Catholic Church forbid marriage annulments. Now, this didn't go so well with Mary, who suppressed her anger for a while while she was princess. Yet when she rose to power, her rule was short but very, very bloody, hence her nickname, Bloody Mary. And she led a crusade against Protestants across the nation, establishing a reign of terror. 
But all of this anger didn't just come from her religious beliefs clashing with her father's. In fact, she had a very troubled upbringing as a a girl. She was doted on by her parents, but that all changed when Anne Boleyn became queen. Seeing as her parents' marriage became invalid, she was officially declared a bastard and stripped of her title as princess. She was she was separated from her mother and forced to be her baby, her baby half sister's lady in waiting. She was basically a service maid for the very sister whose mother brought about all this misery upon her. I mean, at this point, you can probably see the stressor that lay within her childhood. You know, Mary was very well educated and very smart, but she was no match for her step siblings, Elizabeth and Edward. She lacked the charisma to gain loyalty from her subjects. But eventually, she sort of repaired ties with her family and proved to be a mother figure in her siblings' in her siblings' lives. You know, her friends and her relatives, they would often, you know, when they give birth, they would often go to Mary um, as a godmother. And she would often take care of her friends' babies for them. She was just, she had a, she had a pretty good reputation for a while, but then that kind of all changed as they grew up. The, rival, the rivalry and the jealousy between Mary and Elizabeth never ceased and kept the younger sister on her toes as assassination plots were undoubtedly in action on both sides. And after Mary died of health complications, Elizabeth assumed the throne. She was the brightest and the last of the Tudors as she never married to continue the family tree. Elizabeth didn't have a great pre-monarch life either. She was declared illegitimate just as Mary was and almost executed by her own sister. As I mentioned, there were assassination plots going on both sides. Yet, despite all of that, her rule was known as the Golden Age as England entered into an era of prosperity under her watch. And she was an avid fan of Shakespeare's plays. And if you watch carefully, you'll see that sometimes his works will stray from factuality just a bit, as he usually would alter his work to please Her Majesty the Queen. And going back to Richard III, as I mentioned, how Shakespeare depicted him as a scheming hunchback. I mean, you could tell that his work was definitely biased a bit as he would exaggerate the um, evilness in Richard III to please Elizabeth as it was, as he was essentially an, an enemy to the queen. And so after going over the most prominent figures of the Tudor dynasty, it really makes you think about your own family. I mean, it's not 15th or 16th century England. So assassination plots are substituted for something a bit more creative, a bit more 21st century, and a bit more brutal. That's right, I'm talking about things such as, you know, hiding your brother's iPad or logging out of your Netflix account so no anymore. And instead of fighting over the crown, you're probably fighting over something, you know, way, way more important, like the last slice of pizza. And anyways, before we conclude this <laughs> section, I just wanted to tell you guys a quote that I found. Um, which might have been on an episode of Criminal Minds that I watched at 2 a.m. last night. But anyways, here it goes. (laughs) The important thing to remember is that family is always going to be there. The material things, they come and go, but at the end of the day, it's a stable family that will keep you grounded, keep you sane, and keep you humble. Oh, man, that was really so informative of the Tudor family. Yeah, you know, the Tudor family specifically, or the dynasty, was just so insane. And when you, like, hear about it or you watch documentaries or you read about it, you just you just kind of take a step back and you're like, wow, you know, my family's pretty chill. And, yeah, you know what's interesting, though, is that Mary was actually separated, um, like, I think... 
through Anne Boleyn's request, like separated from her own mother. And so you have that like absence of family that might have contributed to her like later cruelty within her reign. And then you also have like Anne Boleyn acting as kind of the evil stepmother. And then uh, I think she hired a a chambermaid or like a supervisor over Mary uh, who would always insult her, always remind her that she was the bastard child, the one that was not included in the family, the one that wasn't wanted in the family. And so we see that like a lack of family probably contributed to a lot of Mary's, you know, her, first of all, her like devout religious beliefs and then her desire to kind of extinguish the Anglican church. And then also like her extreme cruelty, her, you know, mental instability in her personal life where she had those phantom pregnancies where she was always, you know, pregnant. She was always like, oh man, I'm going to this specific castle because I'm pregnant, but it was always a phantom pregnancy. And that might've been caused by like her, you know, her lack of family. So I thought that was really cool. And I love how you went into depth with the relationship between Mary and Elizabeth. So uh, Chelsea, there's this saying that the family is the basic unit of society. And, you know, you've got that uh, center around the family within history or like throughout history, uh, stable families often, uh, are, you know, related to a stable society or they mean a stable society. Do you agree with that statement? Yes, definitely. I agree with that statement 100%. You know, it's the whole, the whole dispute between, you know, nature versus nurture. I'm, I'm definitely learning, leaning more towards the nurture part, you know, family, is what's there around you 24-7, and they're there to always influence you, to ground you. And they are the people who are going to teach you the morals that you got to live by. And it's those first 18 years of your life that are probably the most indicative of the person that you are going to be. And so definitely, if you don't have, you know, family to ground you, if you don't have family meals every night where, you know, you're fighting with your brother and you learn how to keep your mouth shut when everyone else is, you know, talking and you you gotta learn all these manners and by doing by having a family you learn all these things you learn how to socialize you learn how to be around people and I just think that without a family and without someone to teach you all these lessons without you know a mother and a father being there to guide you through life it's really hard to stay grounded it's really hard to maintain a stable life and those are the kids you'll see like a lot of the I actually read the study around more than 60 or 70 percent of the people who are sentenced to um, death row, they did. They had a really troubled upbringing. You know, you see all these, all these impoverished neighborhoods, and the family unit obviously isn't there. You know, like there's the money's not, not there or uh, cyclical uh, poverty, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and a member of the family is missing and just wreaks havoc, and it's kind of like this huge shockwave that just that just expands onto society and definitely, you know, family is the stabling unit of society. Yeah, I definitely, oh, sorry, Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, You know, families do help us with our personal growth and I think they are, it's really just important to have someone that cares about you in general. And so thank you so much, Chelsea, for this amazing conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. We will be continuing our conversation, so stay tuned. I'm Zara Hassanin.
And I'm Brigitte Gia. Please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. Stay right here with us as we continue our fascinating discussion on the gift of family. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte Gia, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this segment of Express Yourself, we are continuing our fascinating conversation on the gift of family. And I'm Zara Hassanane. In this segment, Brigitte will be discussing the value of family and her own family's role in establishing who she is today. Take it away, Brigitte. Hey guys, it's Brigitte, of course. Um, Normally, I'd be diving straight into another installment of my segment, Art Attack, but I thought that since today's theme is the gift of family, I'd just talk a little bit more about my own kin and the lengths that my immediately family, uh, my immediate family, namely my parents, uh, has gone through, uh, has gone to in order to really ensure my happiness and success in life. Uh, So here we go. Uh, Just a little bit of background on my family. My parents were born in China, and my mom was a bank manager. My dad got a master's degree as a civil engineer. Uh, They grew up there, and they established stable careers there. Um, But they they conceived me uh, in China, and I hadn't been born yet. And they decided that they wanted me to have broader horizons. They wanted me to really experience a different culture, a different society. And so my parents made a huge sacrifice uh, and left their stability back in China to move to Canada. So they moved to Canada for a new life and they left their careers so that they could find success for themselves and namely for me in the new world. They were very worried for my education and they wanted me to get better one and to really have access to a lot of things that maybe they didn't have back in China. And so my parents moved to the United States, to Canada, first of all, and then to the United States to really give me a head start on life. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, my family has really made me who I am today. Uh, My parents had to redo their bachelor's degrees and 
um, my dad changed his major entirely and obtained another master's degree in computer science um, because the building codes, yeah, were different in Canada. And so he had to support me and my mom while she was also earning her degree. And she, he couldn't do structural engineering anymore because the building codes were just completely different in Canada. And so he had to redo his entire major and, you know, he was very, very successful, um, ultimately, and he worked really, really hard. They both put in a lot of hours um, to make sure that I had a good standard of living and that um, I had access to the best, best education. Um, I moved a lot as a kid, but um, my parents always made sure to find living places in the neighborhoods with the, with the best education programs. Um, they really wanted me to have a stable education because they knew that education would be, would make me who I was and would give me access to a lot of success in the future. And so my parents took my education very, very seriously. They spent a lot of money to situate uh, our family and homes um, in the best neighborhoods with the best schools. And my parents also, especially my mom, exposed me to a lot of different activities, cultures, places. They broadened my horizons. And my mom specifically would spend hours reading to me from, you know, every book imaginable. She'd find all sorts of different books on all sorts of different subjects uh, when I was younger. And she'd read world, you know, she'd go through world atlases with me and she'd go through history books and mythology, mathematics, all of these different subjects that she felt would be useful to me later in life. And she was still working on getting her bachelor's degree and she was working a full-time job as a bank manager uh, in Canada at one of the like local bank establishments. Um, so she juggled a full-time job, you know, taking care of me as a kid and then also educating me, um, you know, when I was in elementary school, when I was younger. And so um, this went on in Canada for about six years where my parents were just really working hard to ensure that I had the best of the best. Uh, I took a lot of different classes. I took dance. I took all sorts of sports programs, um, art classes, anything to really let me find an interest and develop it, my parents signed me up for, um, you know, no matter the cost, no matter uh, how long and how far they had to drive, uh, they were there for me and they brought in my horizons. Yeah. So again, that went along for six years and then my sister was conceived. So they decided to shift over to the United States, uh, mainly for job opportunities, for maybe a bigger home, because my sister was coming, and also to expose me to, again, more educational opportunities. Um, and so we moved to the United States, we shifted there, and again, there was this huge focus on education that my parents put. Um, they enrolled me in basketball, soccer, tennis, softball, swimming, art, music, and dance programs, you know, everything, everything you can find on the spectrum, uh, they encouraged me to do. And they allowed me to kind of dip my toe in every single activity. Yeah, um, yeah my mom was still, you know, encouraging me to further my education academically, um, not just focusing on like physical education. Uh, I was encouraged to read Dickens novels and Green Gables. Uh, my mom borrowed Homer's Iliad and Odyssey and Gulliver's Travels, Gone with the Wind, all of those books for me. And she said, hey, you should read these. These are classics. And I think you'll find them interesting and they'll give you a different perspective on the world. 
And she helped me develop my interest in history and also further um, a lot of my progress in science and mathematics. And basically what my parents did um, was they instilled independence in me and they also guided me through a lot of things at the same time, which sounds a bit like an oxymoron, but like um, they were able to somehow manage to both give me a strong sense of independence Uh, and confidence in myself, and also guide me um, in finding a lot of my own interests. And once I, you know, hit middle school, or I I hit the last year of elementary school, um, we had a placement test for getting into a higher math level and going onto a different path uh, in mathematics courses, uh, starting in middle school and throughout high school. And I just remember my mom helped me review for this placement test. She was like, you know, it's going to help you. It's going to give you access to calculus in high school. You're going to finish calculus by junior year if you follow this path. And so she helped me study. She helped me review all the materials. And I remember the night before the test, she had a 102 degree fever. And yeah, she was up she was coughing she was taking medicine she was burning up like just fever feverish you know feverish is that how you say the word um but you know and she was out there you know she was in bed Uh, she wasn't out there she had a fever um but she had her textbook or the textbook that I was using to review she had it open and I just remember her going over the concepts with me with the 102 degree fever Um, just because she was so dedicated to helping her child get out there. And I just, I'm like really proud of my mom for doing that. And I'm also incredibly grateful because it did set me on the path to a higher math level. And it was such a huge sacrifice for her, you know, the entire time, um, all the hours that she committed to getting me further um, academically. And then her staying up with a 102 degree fever reviewing these concepts with me the night before the test so I would be sure of myself so that I would be able to do well and I really have her to thank um for my getting through calculus in high school and actually being able to follow that path um and so my parents sacrificed so much to get me where I am today um I I excelled in swimming uh, as in middle school and I'm still playing violin today. And my parents were a big part of that. Um, My parents spent money for the programs for educating me in swimming and violin in particular. And they also drove me to all of the different destinations, competitions, meets, uh, practices. They drove me to and fro. And Violins, uh, the instruments are very, very expensive. Um, if you, if you, you know, if you're really investing, and my instrument is not any different. You know, it's really, really pricey. And my parents had enough confidence in me to really put in that money, and then put in the time to drive me back and forth from lessons. Um, they had the confidence in my musical skill, and again, I have them to thank for my ability to enroll in all of these youth orchestras that I do right now and to continue my violin studies. And in high school, they've given me one like essential gift is that they've allowed me my independence and my freedom of movement. Um, They give me encouragement when needed and they they guide me through a lot of, they've definitely guided me through a lot of issues um, in high school that I've met. Um, But my parents have allowed me to 
you know, they've taken a step back. They've allowed me to find my own extracurricular activities that I'm interested in. They've allowed me to determine my own classes, what APs and honors I'm going to be taking. They've, they haven't, you know, they haven't looked over any standardized testing. I've done that on my own. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a show of faith, first of all. It's really a show of faith. Um, and I really appreciate my parents for doing that and for just putting faith in me, um, in my ability to establish myself. And it's also given me a lot of independence and freedom to find myself as a person and, you know, dedicate my time to the causes that I really believe in and I feel that I need to espouse. Um, And so the takeaway here is that family members and parents sometimes get a bad rap for really pushing their kids in a certain way when they're younger. But I do have to say that I truly and absolutely appreciate everything that my parents have done for me, Um, you know, that my parents did for me when I was in elementary school in terms of brightening my horizons, guiding me towards the establishment of a firm knowledge base. And I developed a foundation when I was younger through my parents that has helped me today. And thanks to my parents' efforts, I've been able to develop an interest in the humanities as well as a strong mathematics background. And it's granted me additional tools for future use and success. Yeah, no, I definitely like how, you know, that's honestly the whole story was so touching in so many ways. Um, You know, the way that your parents sacrificed so much, whether it's, you know, leaving a stable family, leaving a stable life in China, or, you know, your mom staying up with you when she had such a high fever. I think (laughs) the fact that, you know, like family really is an integral part of our lives, our growth and our sort of sanity in general, I think. So yeah, thank you so much, Brigitte, for that wonderful conversation and that wonderful story. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, During the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for Be The Star You Are, 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. More info is under events at our website at www.btsya.org. I'm Zara Hassanay. Brigitte please visit www.expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. When we come back, we will be back with a new addition to the reporting team, Jelena Liu, and we'll be continuing our inspiring conversation on the gift of family. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself. 
I'm Zara Hosnane, and today's hour is about the gift of family. I'm Brigitte Gia. In this segment, we have new reporter Jelena Liu joining us today. Uh, Jelena is a rising high school senior, and she's an aspiring filmmaker who is dedicated to community service and passionate about social issues. She loves keeping up with the news, learning about history, reading, and watching movies. You'll most likely find her spending time in nature, at the movie theater, or listening to all sorts of music. She would love to be able to travel the world someday to interview and record different people's stories. And so with that, let's welcome Jelena onto the show with her segment, The Helping Hand. Hi, Jelena. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Jelena, and I'm a new reporter on Express Yourself. I'm really excited to be a part of Express Yourself. Um, so the name of my segment to have is... You. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, the name of my segment will be called Helping Hand, and I'll basically be highlighting um, different organizations that basically make a positive difference in the world and how you can get involved. Um, but today I'm going to be talking about how um, diff- about different family structures and different cultures. So I recently finished reading a book called um, The Spirit Catches You When You Fall Down, which is by Anne Thaderman. The book tells a story about the Lee family and their um, Hmong refugees, and it basically talks about how their culture and beliefs come to clash with the American medical system as their youngest daughter, Leah, develops epilepsy. So basically be talking about how the um, family structures are different in different cultures and how like the Hmong family structure that kind of caused conflict with the doctors in America. So um, I'll start by giving a little background about the book and what happens and about the Hmong people. So the Hmong people fled Laos during the Vietnamese War and many of them resettled in the U.S. as refugees. And the main family in the book, the Lee family, they resettled in Merced in California. And so Hmong families are extremely close-knit, and they tend to be really large. Um, so kinship is kept alive in a unique way in like various cultures. So in the Hmong culture, um, the connection between the mom and the newborn babies, they're basically inseparable, and the mother's always with the baby, even, if, even when they're working, which is, like, different from in America, where sometimes they'll just get a babysitter to take care of the baby while they're at work. Um, also, in, Mon- in the Hmong culture, there are different taboos for different families, and basically if those rules are violated, uh, many of them believe that bad things will happen to the family. So, um, they also regard the child as the most treasured possession a person can have. So, the, uh, the main family in the novel, the Lees, they're basically willing to do anything for their daughter, Leah, to make her life better. And so, these cultural differences and the difference in family structure eventually kind of causes conflict with the hospital. So, after Leah, their daughter, uh, develops epilepsy, she's taken to the Merced General Hospital. And because of the um, cultural da- cultural differences and language barriers, uh, a lot of conflict is caused with the hospital. Um, So basically the Lees refuse to give Leah the medicine from the hospital because they believe that it's killing her. Um, And so there's a lot of conflict with the hospital and the doctors are really, were really frustrated with the way they were just being non-compliant and both sides were just really angry at each other. And then so, like I talked about before, like, the relationship between the mother and um, the, the child in the Hmong culture is really close. So, um, at um, in the middle of the book, when, um, after 
Like, the Lees have been refusing to give Leah the medicine. She's taken away by Child Protective Services. And her mom is, yeah, her mom is almost driven to the point of suicide, which is like, yeah. Because <laughs> they're oh connected. Yeah, the families are really, really close. Um, but actually, a few months later, like, towards the end of the book, um, Leah's epilepsy gets really, really bad, and she essentially becomes brain dead. And at that point, you know, her parents have the choice to, like, either just kind of give up on her or keep taking care of her. And, like, without it, like, no doubts in their mind, they they keep caring for her. And she basically lived for 26 years against all, like, the doctor's expectations. And they cared for her for 26 years along with her, like, eight other siblings. Like, they bathed her, they dressed her impeccably, and they even celebrated her birthday every year. So I thought that was really touching because I think in America, like... Many families maybe would have, like, either given up on her or, like, committed her to, like, an institution. So that was definitely, like, one cultural difference I found. And then I think throughout the book, one of the issues, the biggest issues that I was constantly thinking about about, was about how could everything have happened if both sides had taken more time to understand their cultural differences and differences in the family structure? Because many of these actions that the Lees did were because um, of how close their family is and how much they treasure the child and the Hmong culture. So that was definitely one big question that was in my head after I finished the book. Definitely. Um, You know, there is this whole variety of just, you know, different um, family dynamics. And, you know, we all have families and we all engage in a family dynamic. Um, But, We've seen, I guess, through your telling of this book uh, synopsis, that it's really hard to reconcile two different family dynamics from two different cultures. And so, Jelena, why do you think it's so hard for people from separate cultures to accept family dynamics that differ from their own? Well, I think in this case... um a lot of the times, um, as humans, we're kind of wary of things that are different or things we don't understand. So a lot of, like, the, um, like, culture, the Hmong culture, a lot of their, um, beliefs and, like, what they do, like, a lot of Americans, when they first came, they were just thought they were, like, savages or uncivilized and things. And a lot of times they would, like, there's a lot of rumors about, like, Hmong people and people just kind of believe that. So I think it's definitely, like, misconception misconceptions spread and a lot of times um it's just a fear of like things that are different from us and so that's why the the doctors at the hospital were so hostile because they thought that like the lees were like trying to kill their daughter but then the lees thought the hospital was trying to kill their daughter so there was a big like (laughs) cultural divide there Exactly. Yeah. Lack of communication, uh, it seems like. And so in this book, there seems to be really a focus on, you know, again, the lack of communication between the family unit as a whole and the medical institution on the other side of the mm-hmm. of the fight, kind of. Mm-hmm. And so on on a smaller scale, and you mentioned that, hey, how you know, you thought about how this could be avoided. Uh, maybe there could have been a lot more communication between the two uh, differing sides. And so on a smaller scale scale, you know, uh, what does communication mean to a family and how do you think a lack of communication might affect a family dynamic uh, versus having more conversation or communication? Yeah, I definitely think with like 
communication is really, really important in families. Like, in this case, um, like, in the book's case, if they had communicated better with the hospital or the hospital, like, the hospital would have spent more time trying to understand them and empathize with them. So, like, communication is key because you, you want people to know, like, what's going on. And, like, here, like, they could have talked about the differences and how to solve them and things like that. So, yeah, communication is definitely key in families. And without it, um, you know, families, it can just fall apart. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I feel like um, as a species, we're really communication oriented, we're really group oriented, or um, we're social animals, you know. And mm-hmm. so definitely, I agree with you that communication is probably really important to not only solving uh, larger issues, such as the one presented in the synopsis of this book, um, but also, you know, a, a viable solution or like um, an important solution to maybe family conflicts, like uh, what is it, intra-family conflicts, uh, mm-hmm. conflicts between family members. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I think I definitely agree with both of you. And I think it's really important that, you know, we have been talking about in the past segments, the sort of positive aspect of family, how they sort of serve as a supportive base for you all throughout your life. But I think it also, you know, Julie and I really like that you, told us the story because it does show how, you know, sometimes as much as family, of course, family, you know, they'll always care for you. They'll always love you. But, you know, sometimes they can be your biggest barrier in some ways. Like Mm -hmm. um, of Leah, you know, she could have gotten the right treatment. She could have gotten better, even though her family was trying to look out for her. It didn't Mm -hmm. happen the way that they wanted it to. Um, So I don't know. What do you think about that in terms of like the family dynamic? What do you think of, you know, like, do you, often get frustrated by the fact that family does serve as a sort of barrier at times that sometimes they aren't necessarily as supportive as you'd like them to be. Um, or do you think that for the most part, you know, it is that, uh, the case is that families are supportive of each other, that, um, whatever they're doing is done out of love and it's not all that bad in the end. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's kind of about perspective also, because I think like we've all kind of, had that experience where like our parents like I know like our our families want the best for us but kind of what they think is the best for us is like probably can sometimes be completely different from what we think and that's that kind of causes conflict but I think in the end like yeah like families they do want the best for you but um just I think that the clash between like kids and their parents that can sometimes happen because they both have like different goals or like different ideas of like what they need to do and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, you've got that, like, uh, stereotypical argument between the kid who wants to be a theater major and then the uh, the parents who want him to be a doctor or, like, a scientist, <laughs> yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And so, mm-hmm. Jolena, I just have to ask, you know, um, how is it, you know, like, uh, do you have any aspects that you really like about your own family dynamic and, you know, what you do to bond and be together uh, that you would like to share with the audience? Um, yeah, of course. Um, I think within my own family, like, obviously, there's, like, conflict sometimes just with any kind of family. But I think one thing I really like that my family does is I think may- we're pretty strong in communication. Like, my parents, like, will always ask me, like, how I'm doing? Am I, am I okay? And sometimes I think there's a lack of that in some families. But they're always trying to ask me, like, how my day went and things like that. Like, even if I don't really want to talk about it that much or if something happens, like, I think it's still really nice to, like, have them ask me that. And so I can tell them if something is going on. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that communication aspect, as we've been discussing, is really essential to having a stable family structure, um, a stable family unit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it does get kind of hard, you know, when you come from a, you know, sometimes, like, um, 
just like Leah, you know, if you come from a family who doesn't necessarily have the same sort of values, I guess, as like mainstream mm-hmm. or like, you know, things like that. There's always like little discrepancies in every American family that sort of make it hard for you to communicate with your parents, but sort of there are discrepancies within, you know, um, a child's values and a parent's values. And that does really make it um, hard sometimes to function as a family unit. But I think, you know, what we've emphasized over and over again, that is really the most important thing is that, you know, no matter what, they're always there for each other, whether it's, you know, Brigitte's parents, as she was discussing in the last segment, or Leah's parents mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in this segment, or, uh, you know, your parents communicating with you, it, that really is the most important thing is that family is always there for each other. And so thank you so much for this. Exactly. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, uh, it was great to have you on. Sadly, it is time to say farewell. We give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Zara Hassanin. And I'm Brigitte Gia. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, be kind, love your family, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself go.